the Black Swan Media Studios, deep inside a secret underground bunker. We're speaking to freedom-loving patriots from all around the country and the world. Welcome to the resistance. This is John Crump, live. Live. And it is a Tuesday, which is like a Monday, but with a T. If you don't know who I am, my name is John Crump. I'm an investigative journalist and gun rights advocate and all-around cool guy. I want to say hi to all my Wolverines out there. I see some Wolverine channel members, channel channel members like Kurt and Ron Wayne and all the other awesome people out there. I love you so much. And guess what? We are sponsored by a cryptocurrency. Of course we are. But this is not a pump and dump. This is a cryptocurrency I truly believe in because I would not put my name on anything I don't believe in. And I believe in Tusk. Proudly sponsored by TUSC, the only cryptocurrency designed with the firearms market in mind. With three-second processing times, it's the fastest cryptocurrency on the planet. On the planet! With lower transaction fees than traditional credit cards, it's perfect for your e-commerce needs. For gun guys, buy gun guys. Visit TUSC.network for more information and join the digital revolution. And we are sponsored by the one, the only, my t-shirt shop, which you can get awesome patches like from Flying Rich and everyone else. And we're going to bring Transformant Chronicles in on that as well. And maybe AK-47 Warren, but more to come after this commercial break. Swan Tactical, your number one source for 2A streetwear. With shirts, mugs, hats, patches, flags, and more, there's always something to help you rep the 2A community. All proceeds go back into our projects. Viewers and listeners can take an additional 10% off with code CRUMPY. Unapologetically pro-gun, pro-liberty, and pro-freedom gear for the front lines of the culture war. And now, if you look who we are joined by, it is the one, the only, it is the flying man himself, the guy that flies around in planes, Flying Rich. What is up, Flying Rich? How are you doing, my friend? I've been the merchant of death and making evil things, according to Joshy Swishy Joshy in uh, Pennsylvania. Everyone, What's his website again? Oh, uh, Josh Shapiro likes BBC.com. Um, and you can hmm. do donate. I don't know. I have no idea what that means. He, I guess he likes British Broadcasting Company. But Shapiro <laughs> likes BBC British Broadcasting Company dot com. Yeah, I'll have to remember that. Yeah. So, and you can donate to JSD Supply to help them with their battle. We have some other JSD stuff that I'm working on behind the scenes. It's gonna be really, really cool. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. Even though that we always talk about JSD because Saint Venro is a saint, and I say Putang out there. Putang is always welcome on the channel. If you want to come on Putang, just let me know. We won't talk about the case. We'll talk about other stuff, and we'll talk about other stuff with the guy, the man. The myth, the legend, Mark Jones of GOA and GOA Hunter Outreach. 
What is up, my friend? Oh, I'm doing well, John. How are you? Good. I've been trying to get you on the show for a while now, man. Yeah, I'm glad we finally got our schedules together. You're a busy man. I'm a busy man. You're a busy man traveling around the country talking to hunters and everything else. Sounds like a freaking blast to me, man. Yeah. Anybody involved in the Second Amendment fights busy right now and given what we're facing in this country, right? Right. Um, I heard that uh, like a lot of people are trying to push the Democrats to bring up uh, a bunch of stuff, but they won't because they're afraid. Yeah, you're talking about specific to to, to hunting restrictions? Uh, no, I'm talking about uh, because of what happened in Buffalo. Oh, the thing that happened in Buffalo, yeah. New York. I'm yeah. not sure. Yeah, they're, they're afraid. Shooting, every time there's a shooting, of course, there's another push for gun control. And same old story, right? Blame the gun, not enforce crime, not keep criminals in prison, yada, yada, yada. Who is it that said when a cop shoots somebody, a police-involved shooting, it's always the cop that's responsible, never the gun. Right. But any other shooting, it's a gun's fault. Exactly. Yeah, it's the same old argument from the left. And I don't think we'll – I don't know. I don't don't know when things will change. It's going to be a long-term battle – a war, not a battle. Yeah, yeah, it definitely it definitely will be. So let me do this. Tell us about GOA's Hunter Outreach and what, what exactly you do. You're the director of Hunter Outreach? That's right. I'm the national director for our Hunter, Hunter programs, and part of that, a big part of that is Hunter Outreach. And a lot of traditional GOA members probably know that GOA was not actively involved in hunting issues in the past, but we have started – getting more involved and you know and our motto this is important our, our motto is the second amendment isn't about hunting but hunters <laughs> about the second amendment because we certainly recognize why the founding fathers wrote the second amendment the importance of the second amendment but even traditional gun guys or hardcore gun guys that don't hunt should understand that there's at least 16 17 million hunters in america and if they would become engaged in the Second Amendment debate, uh, we would have a, a much better chance to stand up to the forces of evil, if you will. We'll have a lot better chance of saving the Second Amendment. So that's part of what we're trying to do is get more get hunters more actively engaged in the Second Amendment debate. Yeah. So I, I got a question. I, I did a consulting gig in, uh, let's see, Green Bay, Wisconsin. And everybody I worked with hunted, but in the same breath, they're telling me about, you know, their bolt action hunting rifle. They're telling me, I don't know why anybody needs an AR-15. I'm like, you know, you got a sniper rifle there. Like yeah. They're coming from Rich, you are breaking up bad, man. Yeah, we're losing Rich. Let's see. Is this any better? We're no, no, you got to stop uh, using using uh, the potato for an internet connection. Turn, just turn off right. your your camera. Maybe might work a little bit. So the, the guys I was working with. No, no, nope, you're still Robo Really? Yeah. Can you reboot? Dude, is, yeah, I guess I'll reboot. I'll, I'll be back. All right, Rich is gonna go away for a little bit. Thank God. Um, no, just joking. Rich is a cool guy. 
Uh, Rich is going to go away a little bit. I'm going to drop him out, and I'll just move us over like this, and you're not flying Rich out like that. Nope. I don't know. I will just do this. There we go. All right. So, Hunter Outreach, have you found what Rich was talking about? A lot of hunters are fuddy. You know, John, just so you're – your audience knows that I spent three decades in as a professional in the fish and wildlife, in a fish and wildlife agency. Um, and over the course it, before coming to GOA and over the course of my career, I actually saw that changing. I, I think hunters have on average become more and more in tune to the political realities of this world and more and more engaged in the second amendment debate through over the last three decades. So it's not as bad as it used to be. There are still some people out there who are, you know, who seem to think some forms of gun control are okay. And as long as they have their favorite, favorite rifle or favorite shotgun, they don't care about restrictions on other people. But I really think hunters started waking up during the Obama years. And I don't think it's that, that attitude is as prevalent in in the hunting community as it used to be now tell us how did this whole thing start with uh, you and the hunter outreach yeah well i retired after i'm a still a certified wildlife biologist and i'd spent three decades working with hunters and wildlife issues i always had a really strong interest though in rights and liberties and the second amendment was always involved personally in politics, which is always is a, a delicate balance when you're working for the state government. But anyway, so when I retired, you know, I was looking for an opportunity exactly like this, where I could kind of take a little bit of my past background and knowledge and put it towards, you know, fights for our rights and liberties. And, uh, you know, opportunity came along to come on board with GOA and start our hunting program from, from scratch about a year ago. Um, and, that's kind of the background of how we got to where we are. We're really trying hard to engage hunters and get hunters politically involved, uh, get hunters involved in the political debate, uh, kind of engage apathy um, among those segments of the hunting community where that exists. Uh, you know, and, and we're doing a little bit of non-traditional stuff. We're actually fighting some issues that directly impact hunting that may not directly impact firearms. But, but of course, we're always staying true to GOA's mission and, that motto I mentioned earlier that, you know, the second amendment's not about hunting, but, but hunters should be about the second amendment. They should be engaged in this debate. Yeah. So what, what are some of the things you have, by the way, Rich, it's so much better. Reboot helped. Reboot. Freaking awesome. You're clear. You're 1080p. Circle back. What, what these guys were saying is like, you know, they hunt, they all hunted, but like they had no idea why anybody needed an AR-15. And and my point is like, once they get rid of AR-15s, if you're okay with that, the next thing they're coming for is your sniper rifle, which is what you're shooting the deer with. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Rich. And you missed part of the conversation John and I had. That, that, that attitude among hunters is not as uh, prevalent as it used to be. I think. No, I heard you said during the Obama administration that changed, Obama but that's. Years. A lot that's, of them up. Yeah, but that's when I was hearing that, you yeah, know, well, and maybe you're always going to hear that from a small segment. Right. But I can tell you as a professional involved in that industry for three decades, it's better than it used to be. OK, good. Yeah, there's still people out there that have that attitude. And that's part of what we're trying to do is 
is get as many hunters as as many hunters as possible informed and engaged in the political debate because you're absolutely right. It, you know, if they take your AR-15 today, they're going to be going after somebody's deer rifle a year from now. Yeah, well, be like it's a sniper rifle. You're Roboween again. He's talking about Obama's comments about the deer wearing Kevlar. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh Biden, whatever. A richer Roboween again, man. Rich is having computer issues today, people. Being jammed by NSA. Yeah, probably. I mean, they they probably don't like them. All right, so I can just reboot my router. All right, you reboot your router, Rich does stuff like where he like updates his firmware with like custom firmware and stuff and it never works <laughs> just joking but yeah it, it it's interesting how'd you get hooked up with goa i never heard Actually, that story you haven't heard that story no no not at all uh there was a member of the staff that was i was a republican party chairman while also trying to survive in a state government agency that was an interesting uh, double life, but um, and and one of the GI staff members has actually helped me out in the Republican Party on the side and got to know them and um, ended up getting an interview when I decided to retire. Got an interview with GOA leadership, and here we are. <laughs> nice. Now, did they bring you in to be the Hunter Outreach, or did you come in to do something else? You know, when I when I came in, I had two titles. I was our going to be our our national hunter outreach director. And I was going to be the regional director for the Rocky mountains and great plains. And, uh, then, you know, after four or five months here, we, we started reorganizing a little and bringing on some new people. And, uh, we got a different regional director and I was able to focus more on the national hunting, hunting efforts. Um, so, you know, there was always an intent to do the hunter programs, but I think the, interest in the programs has grown i think goa has seen the value of this and we've 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 had some good responses um from members and from new people and just some of the things we've been doing so our emphasis on the hunting program has grown i think since i've been here all right we have a question uh from gwebs what is and are the goals of the goa hunter project okay good question well so we want to educate and mobilize, mobilize hunters to be active Second Amendment supporters. That's pretty broad. These are broad goals. We want to recruit hunters to be politically active at the local, state, and national levels. So that means being involved in their local politics, in state-level politics, and in national politics. Uh, we want to combat Second Amendment apathy within the hunting community, which kind of gets to the question that, um, that Rich asked earlier. We, we at some point hope to get some firearm safety programs going, demonstrate, you know, safe and ethical use of firearms and hunting. That, that's kind of down the road, I think, at this point. And then this is a little non-traditional for GOA, but this last one, can, we want to protect the American hunting tradition and ensure hunting opportunities for all hunters. And that, that sometimes doesn't necessarily mean there's a gun directly involved. Uh, we, we've got involved in a couple issues nationally that was just that were just designed to protect hunting from attacks um, uh, from the left, and I can you know discuss some of those later. If yeah, like. that, I mean that's that that, that was um, I was eventually going to get to that. What are some of the attacks from the from anti gunners on hunting? Yeah, 
Well, it's really interesting. And this one flew under the radar. Uh, and had we not had COVID going on for the last two years, it would have been big news. But two radical environmental groups petitioned the CDC and the uh, U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, which is the federal agency that uh, the federal government uses in the, to control their aspects of, of these issues. Uh, two, two radical groups petitioned those groups uh, last August to ban the interstate transport of legally harvested wildlife under the guise of COVID. And that may not mean much to some people if you don't hunt, but a lot of hunters hunt across state lines. I mean, they may live in Virginia and go over to North Carolina to hunt, or you may, a lot of hunters actually travel long distances to hunt. They come to Colorado from back East and hunt elk, or they come to Wyoming where I live from California to hunt. It would have shut down that, that entire American tradition and thereby damaging the hunting community, thereby damaging recruitment of young hunters, therefore damaging firearm sales, ammunition sales. I mean, it would have been crippling to, to the American hunting tradition had that been implemented. Uh, so we fought that, that effort last summer and early last fall. Um, interestingly enough, because of the COVID rules and, and the kind of the, the way the federal government's handled that, that, that threat still hangs over hunting. Uh, we got a letter from CDC about a month ago that really didn't say a whole lot. So the left has not tried to implement that, and they may or may not in the future, but it wouldn't surprise me if after the election this didn't resurface. Uh, but it would damage hunting dramatically, and, and, and again, by by association, that would damage firearms use, firearm sales, ammunition sales. It would... It would be a big. It would be a big impact on the Second Amendment community uh, beyond just on the hunting community. Let, let me ask you this: Do you think that hunt hunters are more in danger from radical environmentalists who are like animal rights people, or do you think it's anti-gun people? That's a good question. I think that uh, both, and sometimes they're the same. Sometimes the radical, what, what I would think of as the radical environmental or movement and anti-gun people are often the same. The politicians that they support are certainly the same politicians. Um, so I think it's both. And um, I don't think anymore you can, gosh, you know, our whole political world and our whole way, you know, society is more of a web than, than easy answers. But, but those are generally the same politicians and the same people trying to do both things uh, that would destroy hunting, that would destroy firearms use. So I guess, I'll yeah, I'll, I'll say both. Because hey, that's what I was wondering. Um, I dated a, like a radical radical animal rights person before. I know Richard probably laughing because I always – before I met my wife, I would always date like people are like totally off, like I dated a communist, a radical. <laughs> you know, people would like you uh, like an anti-gun person. But so yeah, so Rich uh, probably give me a hard time because every time I talked to him, I was like, oh, yeah, I dad dated someone who was like totally opposite of what I believe in. I don't know. Yep. Did you Maybe. have that wall behind you, John, with your "Don't Tread on Me" flag and all that other stuff back then that that she could see when she visited or? No, no, I would eat steak right in front of her. And 
she wouldn't let me cook chicken in her in her <laughs> in her oven. Yeah. Like, is that some code word for something? I'm not sure. No, no, it was actually no. you wouldn't let me cook chicken. I want I wanted to like uh, warm up uh, like a like a uh, like um, uh, Popeye's chicken, and she was like, "Hell no!" <laughs> She's like, "Eat a cold." Yeah, basically. The things we do when we're young. That was the really, the the, the you know, the really rich one. <laughs> like like beyond like normal rich, like billionaire rich. G six rich. Yeah. But yeah, it's a, it didn't work out too well. We we see I see dark out there. Dark, how is it going, my friend? Since I couldn't update the the gifts and go with can print shoot repeats yet, I'm gonna get try to get try to do that after this. Uh, dark got an extra day of being the front page of the JSD gifts and go, so you can go to giftsandgo.com/jsd, and JSD is a great friend to GOA. What? Yep, they've given big, sizable donations. Yes, they have. They're they're really they're really good. So, what do you? Where do you see the whole Hunter Outreach going with GOA? Do you think it's going to become like a massive monster? Or do you think it's going to stay where it is? Do you think it'll get smaller? What do you think? Well, you know, I think there's a lot of room for growth. Obviously, the the NRA has made hunting a cornerstone of their organization for many, many decades. And um, to their credit, um, through time, I think there's things GOA, obviously, that we do different and better in some cases than they do. And and so I think there is a lot of room for us to grow um, this hunting program and our efforts, be more engaged uh, in, in national issues and then at the at state level issues as well as, as opportunities present themselves. Um, you know, I'm, I'm constantly being contacted by natural resources, non-governmental organizations and state fish and wildlife agencies about opportunities like shooting ranges, um, safety programs. So I think the sky's the limit really. I think this program can grow a lot. Um, you know, and, and for example, with a shooting range, that benefits hunters, of course, but it also benefits traditional, you know, gun right gun gun people who don't hunt. It benefits everybody in the second Second Amendment community. So there is a there's a lot of room for growth with this hunting program. So I, I really think the sky's the limit. Uh, talking about JSD, we have a member of the JSD team on the on the show. That is Putain Clan, the master of the P eighty, the master of the P. F or PMF, and uh, I think he's the guy who started the Josh Shapiro. No, he, he didn't start my website. <laughs> you can hang in on me. That's fine. I mean, I don't care. I'll go to jail. You probably don't go to jail for something like that. Huh? Nice to meet you, Mark. Hey, nice to meet Talk you. To see what you're saying. Yeah, he is a GOA member, and he likes GOA. I like the hat. Yeah, he, kn- he knows Val and... One of the things that he was saying that impressed him about GOA is GOA did this lobby day and they actually invited people to meet with yeah, him. And I like what you're doing with hunting, John. I, I don't always, uh, what? I don't always jump in here just because uh, they invite me, but 
You're absolutely right. It's really important. I had no idea, and I don't remember at what I don't know which season it is, but GOA Val it was at least an email signed from Val is what told me that we could all of a sudden a certain hunting season was extended to Sunday. Right. And I've never been a big hunter. My daughter just decided she wanted to get into it last year. So got me into it. Uh, and I thoroughly enjoyed it, but I hadn't hunted since I was a kid and I had no idea until I got that email. Right. A lot of people work Monday through Friday the, mm-hmm. and the hunting seasons are very short for most game in Pennsylvania. In our state. So Bob was that deer no or what was it? I can't remember. It was at some point last year, but the email was about, here's this bill we're pushing to get hunting expanded to Sunday for this season. Right. And it was the first time I'd ever looked at it. And I don't know if that's something you're going to talk about or not, but while I'm listening to you here, I'm thinking, you know what, there's probably a ton of gun owners that don't have any idea what the hunting laws are. Um, and that was the first time I got you know, woken up to how restrictive hunting is. I don't know. Maybe there's opportunity on both sides. Well, I've always shocked. He's got a, a huge member base. What if more so, gun owners were also involved in advocating for for hunting legislation, for hunting rights? Um, and it yeah, blew I, me away. I have friends that are hunters, and I, I saw them a couple weeks later and said, you mean to tell me this? It was like a three-month season. I don't remember which game it was. It's like, you mean you can only hunt this thing on Saturday for eight weeks? Yeah. You, you know, basically for- doubled their opportunity to take game, and, and wow, uh, most of the most of the country is uh, used to getting things off a grocery store shelf. That's really important when you come down to when there are shortages, right? Or the price of everything doubles, and maybe you need to hunt for your own uh, your own sustenance more, or want to. Yeah, yeah like in Alaska. Oh, sorry, in Alaska, that's what a lot of people do. Is and for other places too, but I've always seen in Alaska where they actually hunt for their meat for the winter. Well, well it, and then it varies. I know, like in Minnesota, and, and again, I'm not Mr. Hunter. I just know because uh, I was living with a guy that hunted. There's like bow season, black powder season, and then there's rifle season. So there's like three different deer seasons. Uh, and I don't know if that's everywhere. There, that, That's pretty much everywhere, Rich. But um, – to your point about the Sunday hunting, it's really interesting you brought that up because Pennsylvania is only one of about five or six states that still restricts, uh, or until recently at least, restricted hunting on Sunday. And if you stop and think about that a minute, that's a that's an infringement on a person's basic rights. If you want to, you know, you would think that might be a religious thing, but actually, almost the entire South and the Bible Belt allows Sunday hunting. Uh, the whole West, where I live, allows Sunday hunting. You have a handful of states, mostly in the Northeast, that don't allow Sunday hunting. And as you said, what about a guy that's got to work Monday through Friday? He's got two days, and you're telling him he can only hunt Saturday and he can't hunt Sunday? It's it's a really it's it's an old blue law, is what it is. And um, so I think any effort to take that away to to change that to where people can hunt whenever they want to hunt within the seasons and bag limits and all the other stuff, it, it's just kind of, it's, it's a freedom issue to me. So I'm glad Val put that out about Pennsylvania. Uh, yeah, still, and I, that's, that was a really good thing that he put out. I'm glad he did. Yeah. He was it sounds like that's, you know, that's what you're, what you're kind of working on. But as you were talking about, you know, mobilizing hunters to get them more involved, right. In, in second amendment rights issues that they might not necessarily write. They might just sit back because I got my 30-30, my 12-gauge. I don't even listen to this crap. I think it's probably a huge opportunity to go the other way, I guess. Sure. And I have kind of find myself thinking the other way as well, how many GOA members there are 
and maybe not an email every day, but getting folks, folks like me that up until last year, I didn't give a crap about hunting. You know, right. I had friends that hunted and I knew they had to get up way early in the morning on Saturday to go do whatever they were doing. And I was sleeping in. That's all I knew about it. Um, and now I've kind of, kind of turned the other way, I guess I'm kind of paying attention to, to what the rules are and when stuff like that's being talked about. So that, that's all I guess I'm saying. There's an opportunity and those hunters are going to feel better. The more of us, I guess, care about, uh, you know, about hunting rights, about, I don't know, little stuff like that. Yeah. And think about this. The more people we have hunting and enjoying this opportunity, the more people we have engaged in a second amendment debate, buying firearms, buying ammunition, supporting the cause. Cause I think that the left tries to destroy us. I'll say us traditional Americans. I'll throw us in a box, you know, but it's like death by a thousand cuts. If they can restrict hunting, there's less people hunting. There are less kids coming into the community. If they can go over here and restrict something else, maybe shooting ranges, maybe just traditional shooting ranges. So they make noise. Yep. They can restrict those. There's less people over here. So I kind of think make it less convenient. Be, yeah. Right. We need to be united and, and my thing might be hunting. Your thing might be going out and shooting your AR-15 at the range. We all really want the freedom to practice the things we enjoy, you know? Amen. Yeah, exactly. Uh, exactly. Um, whose idea was it to start this? Yeah, I think it was kind of mine. I mean, in, in inter- interviews with, with, um, with GOA's executive vice president, John Vileko. John Vileko is a great guy, by the way. Yep. Yep. Sure enough. He gave me a shot. You know, I'm, I, you know, I pitched this idea to him and um, I think at, at first, I think he thought it might be something that might be okay. That's why I think when I came in, I was a regional director in the Rocky mountains and great plains and the hunter guy through time. He began to see the opportunities for the hunting program. And I think he saw that it, it, it could be a big program and grow. And, and, and so that's, that's another reason I think we got a different regional director. Mark, I, I heard you got in trouble because you're using a bullhorn at the guys in the tree stands. A bullhorn? Guys in the tree stands? I have no I, idea. You're spreading the GOA word oh, with, oh. with a bullhorn. <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that. Cause I might get shot. <laughs> Join GOA. <laughs> like you're scaring away the deer. No, no. I actually like to hunt myself, so when I'm out, I'm pretty quiet. Yeah, I'm not a big hunter. Um, never been. Yeah, well, it's, it's tough in your neighborhood, John. Yeah, uh, unless you're hunting Mercedes and BMWs. I have no idea what you're talking about. I live in the ghetto. It was actually a pretty good time. I, uh, I'm I'm going to at least and, and rifle season for deer, which is what uh, my my daughter's friend wants to do. So that's what we're going to do every year, I guess. It's pretty short up here. Um, but I can't remember the last time I dressed up that warm to go sit in the snow and, and just sit in the woods and watch for something. It was, it was really peaceful. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? To actually, and maybe I'm too much of what the, the culture has become in America that my cell phone's never off. I'm always looking at a notification about something or browsing something or checking email. Uh, it it might've been the first time in a long time I was forced mm-hmm. to just shut all that out and just stare into the woods. You know, it was, uh, it was pretty incredible. It can be a really relaxing experience and chance to reflect. And, you know, it's not all about just killing. It's, it's about being out and enjoying nature. And yeah, when you get into it, it can, it can be life-changing. I've seen guys get into it later in life and become very avid. Well, let me ask you a question. What is your, this is a putang, Bob. What, what does your daughter want to hunt? 
like what what got her into hunting? Friends of hers, man. She's uh what? She just turned sixteen. So was, uh, oh, cool. one of her good friends she's been friend with for over ten years, I guess, had been coming. And maybe part of it was COVID, right? That so many activities were shut down. And that was something that I guess her friend always did. And maybe my daughter had always been distracted by something else. I'm sure I was driving her somewhere else. But all of a sudden, out of nowhere, here come October, she says, hey, you know, my friend Hannah and her whole family goes, uh, goes deer hunting every year. I'd like to go. So we went through the hunter's education course, which I actually found really informative. Um, I'm not a big uh, shotgun guy. And they talked a lot about the way to carry them, how to clean them, how to make sure there's nothing in it. Uh, I think the Pennsylvania, the hunter's education course is a, a really good thing. And I'm glad that that's free, actually, um, to be able to get your hunting license. Uh, but yeah, a friend of hers, and I guess, do I want to call it boredom? I guess all of a sudden she's like, hey, they go deer hunting. I'd like to. And it was also, I know I'm going to go on too long. That's what I do. It was also a really good chance to to kind of talk about some things I hadn't talked about with my aunt in a long time. I knew my dad and my grandpa both hunted, right? I can remember the exact look of their, uh, their their lever 3030s that they took when I would go with them that were hanging on the wall in both of their homes. Uh, and I told her, my daughter, well, she's like, well, you know what? I still have grandpa's rifle. Oh, so cool. both of us got to go over to her house and hear her tell stories about going hunting with him when she was a little kid. Uh, and then I, I feel like we kind of carry that in the woods, uh, carry the woods. You know, she was there with her friend and she was there with us, right? And their whole family and you know, tried to uh, kind of, I don't remember what they call it, right? Somebody walks off this way, somebody walks off this way and hope that some deer start moving in between all of us. Um, but I'm really happy to have that experience that I got to sit there in the woods with my daughter, you know, five feet from me and there's her friend right next to her. Um, I'm glad I got that before I pass on, if that makes sense. That's something that my aunt had with my grandpa and mm-hmm. my daughter got to hear about that and I got to hear about it. Uh, yeah, for maybe I'm just getting older. I was like, maybe this, maybe this is what life's really about. And man, I almost missed this. Thank good. I, I don't want to say thank goodness for COVID, but thank goodness everything else was shut down. And my daughter walked up to me and said, Hey, can we go hunting with my friend and her family? Um, yeah. Sorry. I just got a little emotional there. No, wow. it's cool. Yeah. That's it's a very great story. Cool. That's a really great story. And I hear stories like that quite a bit. Um, COVID did bring probably more people back into the hunting fraternity, so to speak, because people couldn't do other things. And maybe people that hadn't hunted traditionally or hadn't hunted in years got to got back into it. We saw that across the country. Um, And we're seeing more women get involved in hunting than ever before. Fastest demographic um, of of any demographic is, is, is uh, adult women, which is kind of nice. Yeah. So think about it. If, even if you're a traditional Second Amendment advocate, that's a good thing. If women are buying guns, ammo, that's a good thing, right? Yeah. As long I, as you treat your woman right, yeah. As long as you treat her right, you don't know <laughs> when to say yes, ma'am. I, I definitely know in my wife. Um, yeah, she is the boss. I'm not lying either. And occasionally she lets John out of the basement. Very, very rarely. <laughs> very rarely mark are you a left-hander i shoot i shoot long guns left-handed Do you? and i okay. shoot pistols right-handed and i write right i'm all messed up man no that's all right so, well, I guess are you left eye dominant or you know i think it, i think I, I blame my father for this he he was a really good baseball player so he had I, he had me throwing right-handed and batting left-handed because he said you could hit right-handed pitchers better. 
so when I started picking up a long gun, it just because I was batting left-handed, it became natural to shoot left-handed. And for some reason, shooting pistols, and I started shooting when I was five or six years old, but uh, it's just, I'm all messed up. No, that's a pretty cool story. What's almost, I mean, the b- besides the trigger, right, and, and, and the looking down the sights, I guess, it is kind of completely different holding yeah. something up to your shoulder versus holding something in the face. So it's not, yeah, it's not that weird. You're not that messed up. Yeah. yeah I, Just a little Walter bit Keller messed up. does the same thing. <laughs> Who does? Rich? Walter Keller from Safety Harbor Firearms. Mm-hmm. I had to ask that because uh, Astaroth K kept saying stuff about, what's this say? Can we talk about the extreme dearth of lever guns right now for lefty hunters? He kept asking. If I had asked you if you shot lefty and you said no, I was going to say, sorry, Astaroth. Nobody cares. Dude, I love lever action guns. They're my favorite. <laughs> you know what's funny? I don't own a single left-handed long gun, and they, they, they throw the ammo out. The throw the empty out in front of my face and it doesn't bother me because I've done it since I was a kid. Go squirrel hunting with my 410 pump and I would throw it. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't bother me. I don't have any left-handed guns. Yeah, don't shoot a styrog. Well, you got a mustache. <laughs> yeah, sh- You'll be okay. <laughs> uh, shoot it in your face. <laughs> I realize there's some guns out there that would probably throw it back in my face, but you know, all the semi-autos auto- and pumps I have don't. Even my ARs, they don't bother me. Mm-hmm. If I had ARs, actually, I sold all my ARs in case Biden's listening. I have none. You know, if they ban, you Can know, make it a joke with boating accident. Oh yes, exactly. They went, they went to the bottom of the lake. You know what? Um, basically, if Biden bans, I got, I got about 150 ARs. If Biden bans ARs, I'm going to have about 180 ARs. <laughs> How's that math work, John? I'm going to have 180. There's all the parts. Uh, all the parts. Just build them, build them, build them. <laughs> I didn't think about that. I think I got lowers in uh, in ammo cans. I remember at least twice. I was like, oh, man, we might have these anymore. One of them was in 2012 or in 2013. I was like, man, we might be able to get these for a couple of years. I better buy some. And I think I know where that can is. But uh, somewhere, somewhere in my basement is at least, I'd say, two cans with just lowers in them. So, yeah, you're probably right, John. I may have a few more than I lay claim to. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. I don't know. The whole Biden administration, I heard they're not going to do anything because they're afraid because of the midterms. Well, I, did, I, I paid no attention to Biden's speech today. Did, did anybody pay attention to what happened today? Uh, you know what? Uh, I, I, I'm not a big fan of elder abuse, so I didn't watch it. I got gotcha. you. I have a hard time watching it. I wait for the press reports and analysis. I just wait for the blooper reels to come out on Instagram. Mm-hmm. I watched that whole thing, and I think Joe Biden was the only person that spoke there in Buffalo that uh, that didn't make that jump between the problem is extremists with easy access to guns. So it's like, no, you can say these mentally right? These people with mental problems that make that do these kind of things, right? That, that go out and decide they're going to shoot a bunch of people. It's okay to say that's a problem without also saying the thing he used is a problem. Um, I don't know. I just sat here and shook my head. Every one of them did. They talked for three minutes and somewhere in the middle, they say, we need to ban assault weapons. And Joe Biden was the only one that didn't say it. He said yeah. the word assault weapon, but he never said we need to get rid of these. Never made any push, at least not that I saw. Uh, Midterms. They're feeling the pressure. Yeah. They're feeling the pressure from from November. I yeah. couldn't believe he didn't. I sat there through the all that other stuff. I was like, "All right, Joe's going to bring it home. He's going to 
You know, he's going to say we need to ban assault weapons and 30 caliber clips 15 times. This is going to be awesome. And he didn't say it once. And I did. There was two guys in the office here watching it with me. And it got over and went to that screen. I was like, man, he didn't do it once. That was disappointing. All that lead up, five other people saying we got to get rid of assault weapons now. Hmm. And uh, and then Joe didn't. But you're absolutely right. Yeah, he's he's scared. It's his, uh, you know, those that are flying under his flag trying to get elected come November. All men and women created by the go. You know, the you know, the thing. <laughs> well, you know, while we're talking about Joe and guns, do you guys remember his gun safety advice a few years ago? Uh, a d- double barrel shotgun? Get a shotgun. Just stick it out the, the door of the window and pull the trigger yeah. twice. I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm sure Joe has a lot of neighbors where he lives. Probably not like John. my house in Wyoming. And, and so, is John Joe's neighbor? Um. Uh, well, yeah. I, one of my houses. I mean, I mean that sounds bad. One of my houses. Uh, that sounds really bad. That. God, Rich. You, all right. It, 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 it's it's not it's not big. But it does have a moon pool for the crumpy sub. No, there's no there's no moon pool. It's just something that we've we that's that's going to be a retirement home when we retire one day. Can you imagine if a Republican has said that? Put your shotgun out the window or the door. <laughs> boom, boom. Oh, it, it would can't. be the top story on every media. You know, Donald Trump says just shoot your shotgun randomly at people. Do you know how many people would be injured by that? Everything that goes what? up comes down. Well, you know, it would that that would be just like you know January sixth for about a year. Yeah. You know what? You're right. You're right. Uh, I've been faint. I, I forgot to pay. I've been. Telling people to go to Gibson Go, but not Gibson Go slash JFD. So it's Gibson Go slash JFD or Josh Shapiro likes BBC.com. Dot com. So, Bob, I, I made my first retail order at JSD this week. What? Yeah. Yeah. I, I ordered a t shirt. Thanks, man. Yeah, I appreciate you. I appreciate what all guys, all you guys. Yeah, well, we're working on getting eighty percent lowers. I'm trying to order a hundred of them with the JSD logo on the side to raise money for JSD. We'll see what happens. I'm getting number seven. Seven. Jordan's getting number one. Bob's going to get number two. Bailey's going to get number three. Uh Aaron's going to get number four. Whatever. Can we get a deal on some of these for uh, some of our promotions? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh question for you, Mark. Will GOA hunting project buy advocate for hunters with suppressors? Any plan yes. to work or promote with the American cool. Suppressor Society? If you want to work in the American Suppressor Society, I know Knox Williams and those guys over there are effing great. Like I the like the CEO of Amelance on is like on the board of directors. I tell you what I would like to see us do. I'd like to see suppressors taken out of the National Firearms Act so that Amen. I would like just like any other accessory, just like a scope or whatever. You just go buy a suppressor. Well, over in Europe, you can just because I, I spend a lot of time in Europe because uh, my wife European, not in, in your European home, right? No, I have the, no European one, home. I thought you're buying one on the Mediterranean. What's the matter, John? Yeah. Okay, John. We got to talk about the logo format talk. Okay. Uh, I will call you tomorrow. Uh, and uh, we'll we'll talk about it and see see what we can get done. Safety Harbor Firearms is a guy I reached out to, and we're trying to get it worked out because we really. I talked to Walter today, and we were talking about JSD, and we we're talking about how this has 
so much of like a rippling effect across the whole spectrum of of the gun world, and people don't even realize it. So we fight we now. Championing, we need a champion in Congress <laughs> that will that will work to take suppressors out of the NFA. Yeah, we need we we do need that. Uh, the, we need when we had the White House, the House, the Senate. They could have passed the Hearing Protection Act, and they never did. What? <laughs> yeah, in Europe. Well, what I'm saying in Europe. Okay, we'll talk on on Thursday then. Just give me a call whenever, Walter. In Europe, like you can go into the store and you can buy a suppressor. Just it's right just there. Like buying a firearm. It yeah, no, it's, it's not like buying a firearm. It's like buying like a scope. Right. Yeah. And that's you don't go through a background check. To hunt without a suppressor. Yeah. In yeah. They're like every everybody buys suppressors and they're cheap as hell over there because they're not this. And oh, Wish delivers in, in Europe. Yeah. Well, well, you don't want to have to go to Wish because you don't want to buy a solvent trap. Yeah. That's definitely one that we need to work on. And the whole Second Amendment community should unite and push Congress to, to take these things out of the NFA. Uh, 39 states allow you to hunt with them. That's a whole other issue. The 11 that don't should should allow it. But even in the states that allow it, you shouldn't have to go through an act of Congress with all the paperwork and fees and taxes just to get your suppressor. It's ridiculous. Yeah, that's nuts. It is. It's crazy. And, you know, of course, there's we, there needs to be a lot of education done. The public sees these things as silencers, and they watch a movie, and they see the, the, the bad guy, the assassin, with the, the, the completely silent weapon. And, of course, that's not how they work. Uh, they do make noise. You know, a gun makes noise with a, a 30 out six when you shoot a deer with a suppressor. It makes it still makes noise, uh, but it won't destroy your hearing and reduces the recoil depending on the kind you have. But but it just should be an accessory like anything else. Yeah, Hollywood has kind of, I guess, um, made like the suppressor this tool of assassins. Well, Where it wasn't, we, it never we know was. There's so many crimes prevented by not having suppressors and bayonet lugs. That, that's the other one, you know, all the bayonet crime going on. Yep. Yeah. You know, yeah, I've never been, char- I never, ha- never been a victim of a bayonet charge. Yeah. Yeah. Bayonets and suppressors, you know, so, so deadly and we got to keep them off the street. Yep. Hollywood is no friend of ours. Of course, that's, that's a, a pretty co- uh, easy statement to make, but they like to benefit from the money that comes from portraying firearms, but then they want to keep law-abiding people from having them and all the accessories. That well, come you, you have all these nutbags like Liam Neeson and uh, let's see, what, what's the other nutbag that shot somebody? Um, Alec, Baldwin? Alec Baldwin. Alec Baldwin. Yeah. You know, the Liam Neeson is crazy anti-gun, but he makes all of his money with guns. Yeah. Alec Baldwin is crazy anti-gun, but he shoots his staff. Exactly. And then blames it on somebody else. Yeah, it's 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 so hypocritical, and it, I wish the American public would wake up to this kind of you know ridiculousness. Yeah, you know, don't forget flash hiders. Yes, they're against flash hiders. Those evil flash hiders. I don't know, man. I'm gonna get well, fired up, and people don't like me when I get fired up. 
Well, the other aspect of this, of course, is a lot of them can can afford armed security. So, you know, mm-hmm. rules, for, rules for, for thee, but not for me. Yeah, the way indeed. Bloomberg, the, the king, the, their king, their, the one that they, they kissed the feet. Mike can do it. Mike can do it. Mike's an idiot. That's why he the lost. The king. Yes, he is. And no one should have more than three rounds. Oh, shut the hell up. You little golem looking guy. <laughs> I'm trying to be PG. That, sometimes don't when I get fired that. up, Mark, you don't want to see me fired up. That's all right, John. People bring out the Hawk memes again. I only saw it once, and it was terrifying. <laughs> it's not terrifying. I don't... Wasn't it? I don't know. I forgot what I was doing before that stream started. I, I, they finally ended. I put the phone down. I was like, I don't even know what to do with my life. <laughs> That's how impactful watching John go nuclear was to yeah. my psyche. What what I'm issue was it? Though. What issue was it that set you off, John? Uh, the JSD stuff. Uh, the guys at JSD. That they're uh, every everyone at JSD. Every to every single one of them is freaking amazing i mean they're they're all amazing people they're all caring kind jordan rubs off on everyone who's around them uh they love jordan everyone who works for jordan loves jordan uh he is like the saint of the gun world saint Monroe, as we call him and and if he's a saint bob is his disciple (laughs) Thanks, I think. He that's, is like Peter. Tall, <laughs> tall, uh, tall shoes to fill. Yeah, so, yeah. Jordan has right helped phrase. J- Jordan's helped you out too, right, Bob? Yeah, I mean, uh, I've always been kind of spiritual, but I, I am more now. No, no, I said uh, Jordan's helped Jordan's. you. Oh, yeah, oh, Jordan, yeah. Jordan is very oh, spiritual. Yeah. Uh, now, ba- Bailey was saying he's helped me out. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. Do you want me to tell that story? Sure. Or not? Sure. If you want. Uh, I did the same gig, same job I got when I was 23, and they treated me pretty well, right? I got uh, promotions over the years and was able to raise a family and everything. And uh, early on in COVID, uh, they were, well, they call it a merger, but they were bought by another company and told everybody they'd be safe. And four months after it was through, they put us out on the street. Uh, and I was the health insurance for my family. You know, I mean, I was the the primary breadwinner. Um, uh, some other things happened as well, but Jordan was the first person because I had known him from earlier in my career there. He had worked for and with the same company. Um, and I don't know why we had kept in touch over the years, probably a general interest in guns. I had already bought some things off of JSD Supply to build some guns. Uh, and I messaged him because of his interaction with the company before and said, hey, you won't believe it. They finally threw me out uh, after 18 years. Um, and without hesitating, I mean, I guess I have a, a few skills that he thought might be useful, but he said, hey, we're busy. We, we can use help. We, anytime you want to come up here, you can start working. Um, <laughs> and worked on assembly and packing and shipping. And, and now here I am doing I don't know what all I do. Um, I do arrange the travel. Uh, but, yeah, it was just the, the worst time. I, I had no idea what I was going to do. I, it, you know, I'm still thankful to that company, but. I wasn't ready for it. I thought that was going to be the, the rest of my life. And it was not a firearms related career. Uh, I liked the work. Okay. Um, I was planning on doing that for the rest of my life. And, and I, hey, and, Bob, I how many years and I don't, I don't know if I mentioned it to him this week. So I'll make sure and say it tomorrow and I'll say it here. I'm still thankful and feel blessed every day um, to know someone to like Jordan. Like how lucky was I to meet him 10 or 15 years ago? 
and I had no idea at that time. I knew he was a good guy. We hung out, you know, we interacted for, for work stuff. Um, but I had no idea, you know, that it would come back around to where I was at one of the lowest points in my life and didn't know what I was going to do. Didn't know how I was going to keep a roof over our heads. Um, and without a moment, you know, with, without a moment's pause, it's just like, Hey, I, I need some help. Do you want to come up here? Um, and that's the way he is. There's a lot of other things I'm not going to get into, but there's a lot of other, uh, cherry things and ways that he extends out to the community or even people on the other side of the country um, to try to help those, you know, less fortunate or, you know, had a, had a run of bad luck uh, like I did. Yeah. When we were doing a, we were doing the, what was it? For PAD Dan, when we were raising money for PAD Dan, he came in and gave like a thousand bucks. He just dropped it right there. That's a pretty good story, Bob. Where did you move from before you went to Pennsylvania? Uh, no, I've always lived in Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. I'm only working an hour uh, north of here now. I've always always been around Pittsburgh. I worked a little in Buffalo and Rochester, actually. So I was kind of mad when uh, I remember who it was on that Joe Biden television show earlier from Buffalo uh, said that it was just minutes from Pennsylvania. They blame Pennsylvania for the high capacity magazines that uh, or standard capacity. Sorry, I should use the right terminology. Um, the dude had one of one of the New York politicians they paraded up there said the problem is is neighboring states like Pennsylvania where you could buy these magazines and it's only minutes away from Buffalo. Yeah, I said bullshit so, because I made that drive every three weeks of my life for about five years. Um, anyway, I love these arguments, and I I, I had this big debate. I, I end up getting called a racist uh, because I guess that's when you got nothing else to say. <laughs> We're talking about Chicago and Chicago gun laws and how it doesn't do anything and how people it just makes sure you have unarmed victims. And he's like, well, it's neighboring states. I'm like, well, how come they don't have these problems in the neighboring states? He's like, well, that that's a fallacy. That's been proven up. Like, yeah. And yeah, it's not happening in Iowa. It's not happening right. in, you know, Missouri. It's happening in Chicago. It's not even happening in southern Illinois. Southern right. Illinois is a great place. I've got friends there. Uh, they hate that Chicago controls Illinois politics. It's clearly a Chicago problem. Yeah. Correct. Correct. And, and and I think it's it's not just one simple answer. It's it's not that. And first off, look, New York has a Safe Act, which makes all of these things illegal. So these things shouldn't happen, right? Yeah, I think when politicians use those talking points, they're trying to justify draconian federal action. That's that's what they're really saying is if the federal government can step in and trample on these states that aren't conforming, everything will be wonderful. And that should set everybody's little red flag off. A little buzzer should be going off in your head if you care about your rights and liberties. I think it's been four or five years since any company would even ship. Maybe it's not that long since any company would ship an AR-15, 80 percent lower receiver to New York. So, I mean, how long are we supposed to wait till it stops it, I guess, right? You want to blame that thing. And if you've had half a decade since any company would ship that deadly ghost gun, assault weapon, whatever the hell you're going to call it, uh, you know, how long till till you quit blaming everybody else and say, hey, this thing we said was going to save everybody, it ain't worth the paper it's printed on. Do we know where the the shooter got the firearm? Yes. Uh, it was from a store. Like, like a gun store. In New York, yeah. So it was. Did it like comply with the New York regulations? Was that it? Originally, I guess he and, and then he modified it. Yeah, 
Oh, okay. Of course you did. I mean, it's it's a whole thing where it's a stupid. I I I won't say his name, and I won't let anyone on my show okay. say his name. Um, I have a thing where I, 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 Rich knows this, where we should concentrate more on the victims than we do on the actual perpetrator. He even said there that, you know, you know, he's like, I don't want to be infamous, infamous, but I think I have to be to get this, you know? So it's like it's the same thing. It's, they always want, they always want the attention. They want people to talk about them. That's why I, I try to avoid as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good point, John. And I won't say his name or anything else like that. Yep. Yeah, I, I don't even know the guy's name. I, I made no note of it. Just, you know, it's the dustbin of history as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Yeah, so you know, they're going to put it over there. And the media has to take responsibility for doing this, you know? I agree. I agree. Everybody should have the same policy. I mean, you don't just say, hey, you know, this happened at this time, this date and whatever, and don't name the person. Let's and just leave it blank. Because I think part of what these people are looking for is some sort of notoriety. Yeah. Age of gun care. People always remember the name of the killers, but never the victims. And that's sad. And I've said that to Rich. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. In yep. fact, I used that on a monologue that I wrote for uh, someone um, on the internet. And uh, I've always been that way. That's why when Alec Baldwin shot uh, the girl, I did a whole story on the girl. Helena Hutchinson. Yeah, Helena Hutchinson did the whole story on her because no one was talking about her. And you you really did have the best story. I it, I'm not kissing John Crump ass. That that was the best story on, on that shooting. Yeah, I didn't want to concentrate on Alec Baldwin. You know, people. I don't know. Uh, it's there's just something. What a jackwag. I hope Baldwin never works again. I, I really. I and and I hope many worse things. I hope he gets his ass sued and is broke and, and is on the street because it's. I actually, I don't want to go all into it, but anyhow. Well, I mean, I, I mean, I don't like the armorer either, because well, if you watch her interview when she was being interviewed by police, which was all out there, she was not concerned about Elena Hutchinson, how she killed Elena Hutchinson or anything. It was like this is going to hurt my career, blah blah blah. It's like you just freaking killed someone. That hurt their career. Well, but John, it, one of the things that that puzzled me about that whole debate. I didn't hear this, and maybe you said it, and I missed it. The hypocrisy of Hollywood in that they even had live rounds on the set. That tells me they were obviously going out target shooting and playing around, so they like guns when they were using them, Mm -hmm. but they don't want us to have them. I didn't think there was enough discussion in the media about that fact. Well, the fact that they even had live rounds. If they're so anti-gun, why do they? Why aren't their guns all dis disabled with no firing pins? Well, the the gun that was used was Alec Baldwin's personal gun. He owned that exactly, and he was obviously they were obviously top target shooting and playing around at various times when they weren't filming, or they wouldn't have had live ammo there. Either that, or they cared about self defense. No, no, they were they were target shooting. Yeah. That that's been confirmed. So again, the hypocrisy of the left is demonstrated. 
rules for thee, but not for me. Then right. you have this right here. I'm going to put this up. Hold on for one second. This is what's really disgusting. The, the, we're going to get out of here in a second, but I just want to share this. The Rolling Stone article. Oh, geez. Oh, he's a mainstream yeah, that, Republican. Yeah, it's every Republican's fault now. Yeah. Well, now, you guys probably follow the stats more than I do, but I saw some stuff a few years ago. The vast majority of these shooters are actually lefties. If you actually look into their history and – and their background, oh, the vast majority of them are lefties instead of right-wingers. Well, this so time. a Bernie Sanders campaign worker and, uh, you know, fanatic was shooting up Republican congressmen. None of us ran around blaming Bernie Sanders or the left. We, we all knew it was just a deranged nutbag. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a... Uh, it, it sucks, but you know what can you do? I shoot back. That's what you do. Yeah, yeah, you shoot back. But I'm talking about politically when they, when yeah, they attack I, you. Well, you know, to circle back to the kind of the purpose you guys had me on here for, you know, hunters need to wake up to these things we're talking about. Yes, because hunters in Australia and Great Britain 30 years ago would have never thought things would be where they are in that country now. Mm-hmm. And you guys are well aware of what happened there in the last few decades. They've, per- they've almost been totally disarmed. Um, to have a weapon there for hunting, you go through a lot of government restrictions, pay lots of money. You have to keep it locked up. You can't get it out unless you're actually getting the act of getting to go or go on a hunt. You know, it's crazy. So that's kind of one of the purposes of our program is to get hunters to get engaged in this debate. Uh, we realize the Second Amendment's not about hunting, but Hunters should be involved, engaged. Uh, if there's a, there's somewhere in the neighborhood of 17 million hunters in America, depending on what estimate you want to believe. And if, and if that's a powerful voting block, if they would really wake up and get engaged in the Second Amendment debate. debate. So that would be the message out there to your listeners. Uh, and to the hardcore gun guys that don't think we ought to be doing this stuff, stop and think about it, you know, strength in numbers. More people buying guns, ammo, you know, it may not be for you, but it, but I think the more people involved in shooting and firearms commerce, the better our chances of, of surviving, you know, the onslaught against our rights. All right. Uh, Amen, Mark. So how can, how like, how can people get more information, I guess? I'm sure that's – John's probably about to cut us out, and he's going to say that anyway. But I've been thinking it for like 20 minutes before. Yeah, yeah well, yeah, we'll like start with Mark. Usually something? usually we, we go around, but we'll start with Mark. How can people get information? Okay, so they can go to gunowners.org slash hunting, or they can go to gunowners.org, which is a GOA website. Uh, and when you go there, you'll see the blue GOA banner on the left and the Minuteman that everybody's familiar with. On the left side there – there's a number of, of tabs, national alerts, state state alerts, latest news. They go down to Second Amendment Hunters. That's what we call our program. And there are six tabs underneath Second Amendment Hunters, different aspects of our hunting program. Uh, so they can start right there. We've got information on legislative actions. We've got events. We've got hunting partners. Uh, we've got media and we've got resources like licenses, seasons, Firearm safety, you know, like Bob talked about taking a uh, hunter safety course, we've got links to all that. So there's just tons of information on the GOA website under the Second Amendment Hunters tab. That's a that's where people can start. 
I'll bet it's free in a lot of states too. I'm gonna. Yeah, I don't know states, what it's worth. Obviously, promote the website, but also, you know, more guys that I just know own guns. I guess, and more people. I, I don't know. I'm gonna look for opportunities in conversation to say, hey, you might be able to do this for free because I just thought it was cool. They talked about the yeah. way the game moves, and and some of it was about making sure. Some of it was about safety, like making sure what's behind your target and how you hold the gun and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But it was, uh, I think more people should just do it, especially if it's free, man. I don't think we get enough mm-hmm. stuff for free from our government. So if there's something that's already out there that you can get for free, even if it's just information, uh, yep. I think it's worth it. All right, and Most Bob. states do offer it for free. And most of them pay for it with the excise tax on ammo. Not to get into politics, you know, the politics of that, but you're paying for it in a backdoor way. All right, uh, tell everyone where they can find you, Bob, since we already did Mark. No, I'm just going to respond to Alan Powell's comment from a while ago, and not many people will get the reference, but you are correct. In death, a member of Project Mayhem has a name. This man's name was Robert Paulson. Interesting. All right, uh, that that works. Rich, uh, you can you can find Rich on my website, Flying Rich, flyingrich.local.com, Flying Rich. Uh, on YouTube, Flying Rich underscore official on the Instagrams. You can find me at johncrump.locals.com. John Crump News, which I have a video uh, debuting right now. I was going to try to do a redirect, but for some reason, I can't redirect to my other channel, which is kind of hmm. weird, but I don't know why. But uh, yeah, so I'm going to do a redirect over there. Well, I can't do a redirect because it's not working. But go head over to John Crump uh, News and you can see my. Uh, Thing. John, do you post? Will you post this there in John Crump News? Uh, this, yeah, yeah, I, I can, I can do that because that's my, my main channel, and I'll, it will get it over there. All right, guys, thank you so much. And with that, I think we are out of here. Let me go ahead and play the intro. I'm just joking, we don't have an, an outro. Maybe we should get one. All right, talk to you guys later. Bye. <laughs>